You are listening to the Intentional Leaders Podcast with Cindy Wetland. We're on episode 67. Who, me? A micromanager? No way. Hi, I'm Cindy, an educator, certified coach, and passionate learner on all things leadership-related. It seems like just yesterday I was fresh out of grad school, wanting to make my way in the world, longing to make a difference to people, to team, to the business, Little did I know how challenging it would be. Fast forward several decades later, I've made a career of leading while teaching and coaching thousands of leaders to be at their best, most effective selves. Along this journey, I've captured so many insights, lessons, and techniques on how leaders become amazing, and also as leaders, when we get it wrong. I'll share them all right here because I founded Intentional Leaders to provide easy access to these kinds of lessons and equally important to help you build the presence, confidence, and credibility you need to be the leader that everybody wants to work for. Because I know leadership has its challenges, but learning to lead shouldn't be one of them. So welcome to today's episode on micromanaging. How fun is this? And why am I bringing this up? I just saw some statistics from LinkedIn that they reported 79% of employees have been micromanaged at least once in their career. Have you? I know I have. And I want to step back in this episode and explore a little bit about micromanaging, what it is, but also some sneaky ways that it can come up. We might be controlling things in a way that's not effective without even knowing it. Hmm. So let's dive into this a little bit. By definition, a micromanager tries to control every part no matter how small, of either an enterprise or an activity. That is the classic definition of micromanager. And we know the impact for all of us who have been micromanaged. It's basically the opposite of empowerment. And empowerment (laughs) comes with its own set of challenges because we're giving away power. Then we feel like we lose control, which of course we do. So that's also scary. But when you think about micromanaging, the effect it has on people is very dramatic because it has kind of a double whammy that it's a demotivator for people, but also it is a threat to our need for autonomy and an emotional threat is what I mean. So we don't like that. We don't want to be micromanaged. And what happens when we are is it creates a lot of stress and anxiety. It also prohibits us from learning and development if someone doesn't give us the freedom to grow in our role. I think what also affects people that are micromanaged is then they see micromanagement as a leadership style. And even though we rail against it and we don't like it, we're also learning how to manage people in that way. And sometimes we may inadvertently adopt those kinds of practices. We don't really become good problem solvers when we're being micromanaged. And ultimately, it creates a lot of negative impact on our performance and productivity. And it's also very disengaging. So if you are interested in employee retention and employee engagement, Really think about the culture around you. And if you are being micromanaged, try to take action 
or if you see yourself in this podcast, take action. I want to step back and explore a little bit about the reasons why. Why might someone micromanage? And this could definitely be a style thing that we really want to control the results. Maybe we have super high standards and we want to make sure everything is done correctly and on time and we're really hyper-focused on the results. What I would also ask though, is that style choice intentional or not? Because I might be micromanaging without an awareness. I'm That's just how I roll. And I'm doing that without really labeling myself as a micromanager. And I don't know the effect I'm having. The other is that I do know that that is the effect I'm having and I do it deliberately, which is a whole nother issue. But working style is definitely one reason why we could be micromanaging. Another is we might work in a culture that really emphasizes control and procedures and rules and is very tightly managed and really fosters that kind of leadership style. And then also another reason why could be that someone has been affected by poor performance, that they had a poor performing team or employee, and they really got into the practice of just being continuously focused on performance at a level that isn't very constructive or effective. What I also want to explore a little bit is there are different kinds of micromanaging. A couple years ago, a gentleman named John Spacey put together different examples of micromanagement. And I thought this was a really interesting list because it gets at some of the ways that micromanagement might be sneaking into our style in a way that we're not even aware of. So let me give you this list of seven different kinds of micromanaging. And again, see if you see yourself in any of these. The first one is really just about the supervision. And that goes back to being hyper-focused on results and on goals. This micromanager is trying to get things done and is just doing it in an ineffective way. I mean, think about the kind of person who has excessive follow-up with you or calls constant meetings that just aren't even constructive. They're really focused on status updates or just telling people what to do or wants to know what you're doing at all times. Those are typical behaviors that mean I really want to get the job done, but it's coming across really bad and really micromanagey. The second one is about working style. I see this one, I think, a lot in people that I work with, and I probably have seen it in myself a long time ago. Well, maybe, well, whatever. Um, But this is about working style, that my way is the best way to do it. Whether it's a process or a practice or communication style or whatever it is, the way I do it is the best way. So I'm trying to coach your behaviors to be similar to my style. So that's the second kind of micromanager. The third is all about focusing on internal controls. And think about an environment that does have a lot of operating procedures and maybe some really strict standards. But in this, I think the challenge is if I'm micromanaging around those controls, I'm probably not doing a good job of exploring the reasoning or the why or the purpose or the value of it. I am merely controlling the behavior around those controls, those standards, and the rules. And from a micromanaging perspective, probably not doing a good job of communicating the why or the value. 
The fourth one is controlling around job depth, meaning this kind of micromanager wouldn't be giving someone the authority or freedom to act around contributing at the level they're supposed to be, or even growing within their current job, not allowing the job to get bigger or to be broader or more deep, a very narrow view of the job or the position or the role. The next micromanaging style is more about defending the status quo. If you think about someone who's really focused on, we've always done it that way, or that kind of closed-mindedness or lack of flexibility, maybe negatively reinforcing creativity or innovation, really wants to maintain the stability of the current state. I think that kind of management in today's environment is just a, a death trap for Innovation and creativity, certainly, but also remaining competitive and having a good competitive edge. The next one is about perfectionism. Oh my goodness. For all of those micromanagers who are hyper-focused on perfection, which is, of course, a lie because perfectionism is unattainable. But for people who have that orientation and that quest for excellence in a way that perfection is the expectation or asking other people to be perfect at all times, which is so unrealistic, we are all human, we're all going to make mistakes, we're all going to need support and help and coaching and guidance. So I think that one's a really tricky one too, because perfectionism sounds like excellence, but it really isn't. It's a quest for excellence that is unattainable. And then the seventh one is micromanaging with an emphasis on criticism. When a manager is really focused on what you need to do to improve or noticing the flaws first, noticing all the things that are wrong first, rather than finding the good, rather than finding the positive, and rather than being balanced in the feedback, that is a critical micromanager. So do you see yourself in any of those seven with regard to supervision, working style, controls, job depth, status quo, perfectionism, or criticism? You know what? I think I do. I think I saw myself in some of those areas and I tried to exert control in a way that sometimes wasn't effective or wasn't helpful to the people who were on my team. A lot of lessons learned there. What I want to focus on next though is what do you do if you're working with a micromanager? Because I think that is a really difficult place to be. And I want to talk a little bit about how to handle it. And number one is to be assertive and use assertive language with someone who is being a micromanager to you. Maybe it's at work, maybe it's at home, (laughs) maybe it's both, but I have done podcast episodes about assertive communication. So you can always go back and listen to that. Assertiveness is about understanding your rights as a human being and being treated with dignity and respect in the workplace. And that is definitely something we should all strive to have and to provide to others around us. When it comes to communication, though, we have to be really focused on crafting a message that reduces someone else's defensiveness about these behaviors, especially if it's our boss, because that's a risky proposition. So some of the best tips are to be very eye-focused, meaning use 
sentences that begin with the word I, that include how you feel, how you think, what you want, and also be very direct and respectful and ask good questions because that will facilitate a dialogue. And if you can get into a conversation about what you need from your job and what your boss aka the micromanager needs from you, you will have at least then the hope that you can shift some of those behaviors. So here's a few examples of being assertive. Let's say your supervisor is very focused on goals and results. That was the very first micromanagement style. What I could say would be something like, I've noticed that you set a date for project deadline, and then you follow up regularly with me, checking in on the status. Help me understand what you need or what I could be doing differently to reassure you that I'm on track. That way, I am noticing their behavior and talking about it neutrally, but also trying to discover what my manager needs that I could do to prevent them from that constant check-in. That's one example. If I was being micromanaged about my style, I could say something like, I'd like to have more autonomy in my role. How can we achieve that? And again, most managers wouldn't say, I don't want you to be autonomous, or hopefully they wouldn't say that. Then at least we can start a dialogue. Let's take another category with job depth. Maybe someone isn't helping me to grow in my job. What I could say is, It's important to me to continue to grow and contribute more in my role. How can you help me to develop in my current role and set me up for future ones? That way, I'm stressing something that is important to me, and I'm also asking my boss to partner with me. I think that would be a really great way to engage them in a good discussion about job growth. And then this one is a tricky one. When we think about people who are very controlling about controls or the status quo, here's something I could say. I recognize the importance of clear processes and procedures. I also want to share my thoughts or ideas about improvements and innovation. How can I best bring up these ideas that I have and share them with you? In that statement, I'm recognizing that processes are important. I'm also letting my manager know that I want to contribute at a higher level about my thoughts, and I'm asking them how best to do that. What you'll notice about each of these examples is I'm trying to start a dialogue because we don't know if the person who's being the micromanager knows they're micromanaging or not. Maybe they do, maybe they don't. But when you have a dialogue with someone, be really clear on what you want and also ask great questions about how you can partner more effectively with them. Listen for the needs of the micromanager. What is important to them? Is it stability? Is it control? And why? Get below the surface because the challenge is to flourish. We need trust. We need freedom and we need growth. And if you're in a situation and you've tried to facilitate change with professionalism or respect or grace, it may be time to escalate the situation, or sadly, maybe it's time for a job change. And if you see yourself in some way in this podcast episode, because I see myself in some of these examples, 
take that awareness seriously. Ask for help. Ask someone to mentor or coach you or even your own manager to learn new approaches. It starts with exploring the beliefs that are creating these patterns and actively shifting these behaviors. After all, do you really want to be that person that 79% of employees have said was their micromanager? Do you want to be that example? And I know, I know, that's a leading question. Let's leave it as also a rhetorical one. Are you looking for continued leadership development? Check out my new courses. They're going to be public workshops and they are listed on my brand new website, which you'll find at intentionalleaders.com. That is intentional leaders with only one L in the middle. Go check them out. Sign up. We'll have fun. I promise.